I'm very sure you have an important life, but whatever you are doing, stop and pay attention. It's the afternoon, a podcast with Brent and Robbie. Welcome to the Afternooner Sports Podcast. I'm Robbie. With me, as always, is Brent. Welcome, Brent. Hi, Robbie. How are you? I'm good. There's not a lot going on this week because there's no football. Hey, I was actually thinking about making you something, and if you'll use it, I'll make it for you, but if you won't, then I won't. So so you... I have to agree to use it sight unseen? Yeah, because, well, you'll understand. I'll, I'll just explain explain it to you. So you had said that you listen to the radio in the car and so you hate Super Bowl week because there's always sports people having asinine conversations. I was going to make you a couple mix CDs of just random music so that you could have something to listen to in the car. Yeah, yeah I'll, and I'll do that. Okay, all right. So I will make you a CD, a couple CDs. I will bring it to work and then uh, you can enjoy that during no, Super Bowl week. I have two cars. Only one of the cars have is a working CD player. So I'm only going to be able to use it half the time. So maybe just make me one. I'm not sure I'll get through two. Why do I bother? I don't even know why I bother. Sorry, Robbie. Do you mean that your other car uh, has a non-working CD player or a cassette player? A non-working CD player. Billy, and I'm glad you're here. You're yeah. wearing a nice Salander Refuses t-shirt. And you sound like you're still still dealing with the after effects of your teeth surgery. Yes, yes. That's exactly right, Robbie. I had my teeth removed. A lot of teeth, actually. It's good. I'm down to 42 teeth in my mouth now. Well, you're down to 42. How, how many teeth are we supposed to start with? How many teeth does a normal adult have? Uh, Is it 32? 36? I think it's 36. I think it's 37. I mean, the I'm top bet- is supposed to have one more. <laughs> right in the center. Dead center <laughs> on the top, you're supposed to have one extra one. I'm glad Billy's here because he can look that up for us. Tell us what a normal adult should have in their teeth. Hey, but Billy, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. Yeah, hold on. It looks like a normal adult mouth has 32 teeth. And you're down to 42, you said. 32 is actually how many teeth I have. Oh, and that's what? How many, that's how many teeth I have had. What? Billy, Just, I'm so glad to hear you're talking normally. I thought that was your new voice after getting that second row of teeth removed. No, this is uh, a sentence I've said to many aftergooners the last couple of weeks. I never had mouth surgery. News to me. I didn't need mouth surgery. That was a fabrication, much like the mad cow disease, which I forget what that was called for a person. Crutchfield Jakob, I said that was a fabrication. Yes. I was clear that you did not have mad cow. Which but, I appreciate. But, but you did not say that his second row of molars was a fabrication, nor did you say it was hashtag afternoon or fact. <laughs> so everyone took it at face value. Even I took it at face value for when I saw Billy at lunch this week. I said, hey, how are your teeth? And he was so upset with me for asking because he said numerous people have asked him all week how his teeth are. It sounds like you just got a a referendum on how many people are concerned about your health and your well-being. It was sort of a good survey, too, for how many people are faithful after Gooners. So I know uh, Jonathan Rink is a faithful after Gooner. He approached me and asked me how I was doing. One of our most faithful after Gooners. Absolutely. And I told him, no, Jonathan, my teeth are, my teeth are actually fine. I think and you he should... said, oh, the surgery went well. And I had to reclarify, <laughs> no, you misunderstand me. I never had surgery. Brent was a liar. He's a liar, Yeah, Jonathan. that's fine. I don't... That's fine. I, I was just... I was wrong. I thought you were having surgery on your teeth. No. I was wrong. People make mistakes. No, I had to... Not these kind of mistakes, Brent. You know I had to get the sixth toe on my left foot <laughs> removed because of the gangrene that was setting in. Look, I have no problem lying, but that was, I was just wrong. I, th- I thought you no, got you mouth surgery. You're, you're a liar. You're lying. I've already said I'm a liar, but I'm saying right now, I thought you had to get mouth surgery. You're lying about what you thought. I, I ha- told you I'm a liar, but I thought that you <laughs> needed mouth surgery. I had a cold that day. <laughs> I was sneezing a lot and was feeling pretty miserable, so I went to bed early. I want you to know that as I was sitting in this Dwayne Ski Memorial Studio, thinking on my feet, because I had not planned to lie about your condition, that I want—I I knew I had to say something silly, but not too silly, mm. nor something that could be dangerous and that people would like. I couldn't be like, "Well, he like broke his hip mm. in a car accident," and now people are 
are really worried about you. It needed to be something that was kind of safe, kind of fun, and uh, a little bit freakish. Mm. And I, I, it's a home run, right, Robbie? Yeah, I mean, the second set of molars, I still didn't understand if your teeth had teeth or if there was just an extra row behind there somewhere that was getting removed. As oh I understood gosh. it, it was just an extra row of teeth, much like a shark. Yeah, it, uh, yeah. Inside your, yeah. 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 But not inside your teeth. Correct. Inside his mouth. There, as I yes. listened to, I listened to the first 10 or 15 minutes of that episode today so I could be prepared to reprimand you, Brent, as I came on today's show. And it, it, there was a point where Robbie understood it correctly. And then you, I think, misunderstood what he was asking. That's never happened on and the podcast that's before. that's when the confusion happened. Doesn't Robbie, sound like me. Robbie thought there were teeth inside of my teeth. Uh, and it really fell apart. And then it all kind of came back to the the original lie, which was that I had an extra row of teeth. Yeah, just top teeth, to be clear. I'm just glad that your voice does, isn't going to permanently sound like it did when you started the podcast, because that was really going to be bad for your emceeing of wedding receptions career that you're hopefully going to start in the near which future. Which is a part of our career as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's how we're going to make money for the podcast. We've and, talked about that, And right? now, Billy, do you have a second gig? Uh, I actually have... A third, second and third gig lined up right now. Oh. Now, here's the thing. This is sort of um, a Destiny's Child thing that might be happening right now because you're sounding like the Beyonce of the podcast right now where you're going off on your solo career. But remember, I was supposed to be the DJ yeah. and Robbie was supposed to be the sort of Valentino of sure. the <laughs> wedding who just <laughs> dances with the... Single women. While that's and, a f- and the mother of the bride. And mother of the bride. And while that's a fantastic metaphor, Brent, I think the only problem with it is is that we actually haven't done any sort of emceeing wedding gigs. So it'd be like if Destiny's Child existed, didn't produce any music whatsoever, and then Beyonce said, hey, I'm going to go do this thing by myself and be wildly successful. The podcast is our Destiny's Child. Uh... But that's also different because I'm certainly not the Beyonce of the podcast. Let me be straightforward. I Am would I going it... to get a DJing gig at these weddings? Um, Are you yeah. going to say you either take him or I don't do it? Oh, that's, you know, that is, a th- that I could say that. I could say that. Let's role play this. Billy, you be uh, the Billy who's trying to keep his job and not burn any bridges in the Dwayne Scheme Memorial Studio. Wait, when you say my job, do you mean as a resident director or no, as, as a, a third as a, wheel on an LLC that I am not a part of? Neither. As a as a as an MC. Oh, as an MC. Okay. And Robbie, you are the uh, you are the groom who doesn't really want anyone other than Billy to be a part of the social planning. Go. Wait, are you here? Yeah, I'm just going to be lingering. All right, so Billy. Robbie, congratulations we, on getting married. I'm very excited. Yeah, and I'm hoping you can help out with the wedding, Billy. We're looking to hire an MC for the wedding. Oh, We've heard of your work. Yeah. And we'd like you to to MC the wedding. Yeah, What? could you remind me of the date again? Just let me check my calendar. April 14th, right before tax day. April 14th. Yeah, I actually am free. You know, I have one the day before and the day after, but like usually it's my, my second gig in a weekend that I'm really, really hitting all the high notes. Great. Well, we're glad you're going to be able to do it. We really needed an MC. Yeah. You need, need a DJ? Who's, who's, you need a DJ? You need somebody whose voice I can count on. You need yeah. a DJ? Did you hear something? You need a DJ? No. So you need a DJ? Absolutely, it'll be fantastic. And you need a DJ. I'll send. Have... I'll send you my details. I've just got you know a short little like non legally binding contract. You need a DJ. And uh, how much you'll charge us? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or do you want to know That's that now? One of the beats that I could bring. Do you have an wedding. assistant or anyone else that we need to pay in this? Nope. <laughs> Nobody else. That's another one. Great. You need a DJ. Thanks, Billy. Yep. We'll see you at the wedding. Yeah, I'll talk to you later if I have any questions. Well, that was my living nightmare. Oh, I told. I totally forgot what the point of that hypothetical scenario was. I'm sorry, Brent. That's all right. Uh, luckily, we've already got your uh, MC name, which is going to be Dr. Teeth. Mm. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> Billy's cold on it. I'm in. I'm in on Dr. Teeth. How about, how about Shark Teeth? Shark Teeth works, too. Yeah, great. <laughs> I'd like to work Mr. or Dr. or Senor in there somewhere. Senor Shark Teeth. That's a little heavy. Diente de tiburon. Except you have to say it like this. Senior Sharky. There's a lot of essay. That's that could work. That's a great. Sorry, that's a great phrase. <laughs> well, we're glad you're back from surgery. Glad everything went okay. Yep. The Thank surgery is sleep for and hot tea. modern medicine. 
Mm, modern medicine of taking a nap. So, hey, I want to bring it down a little bit. We're talking about happy times, Billy being healthy, being back, having all his teeth. But the last few weeks, Michigan State, the U.S. gymnastics team, uh, there's been some resolution to the Larry Nasser scandal. The former, was he a professor at Michigan State or just a trainer? He was a, a doctor of some kind. Some kind of doctor. We don't. We think like a medical doctor, not yes, like a doctor yes. of literature, like you are. Yeah, he was a real doctor, <laughs> though really not a real doctor. But he and he worked. He was a uh, like the doctor or trainer for USA Gymnastics. Yep. Yes. So he was indicted this past week, or charged, or sentenced. No, he was. He was actually convicted and convicted. sentenced yep. to 175 years. Correct. Or was it 175 counts? It's well. It's, 175. It, he's years. going to jail for the rest of his life. Yes. He was already convicted for child pornography and then over these past couple weeks there have been victim statements of those he sexually abused so that's went on for i think two weeks because i think there was something like 60 or 80 young women who it was upwards of 80 80 who who gave their victim test well it's not a testimony it's just the effects it's like a statement after yeah. the conviction and uh yeah i mean he is he is sort of the national scum right now and because the you know we haven't talked about it yet because it's this is a nasty thing and there's not much we can add and there's not a lot of flippancy that we want to bring to that uh to that story but there's sort of a new angle that's happening that's pushing away from larry nasser yeah the uh before we get to that though the athletic director has now either resigned or been fired i'm not sure the, the, resigned, the resigned. president of michigan state resigned just a few days ago just a week after she said she would not resign and the board of trustees wrote a letter saying we have utmost confidence in her a week after that i think she the resigned. faculty gave a vote of confidence as well right i don't know about that one but i know the board of trustees did so but so she resigned the athletic director resigned but speaking of athletics uh kind of almost as a tertiary issue that kind of came out of all this Michigan State's basketball program and football program, it's come out that they've had, I think the football team alone, 16 sexual assaults charged against players or players accused of sexual assaults or abuse in since 2007. So that's almost, uh, you know, my maybe one and a half to two on average a year of known cases against a football player on the football team. And the football team only has 80 guys or so on it. Right, right? so... so- in 2007, Mark D'Antonio took over, sort of resurrected the Michigan State the current football head program. Coach. Still the current head coach. And he is under fire right now because there seems to be some questions about whether things were getting reported to the right people. Now, D'Antonio says, I've always reported to Title IX and to the athletic office whenever I heard about any sort of sexual Because the, the Title IX office at a university the athletic department is kind of like the ombudsman, the one that's supposed to, hey, make sure everything's above board. We're doing following rules and regulations, doing everything appropriately. So there's, a, I mean, uh, this is going to start getting confusing, perhaps, because there's so many moving parts. You have the issue of the number of sexual assault reports you also have the issue that michigan state seems to have tried to stop espn three different times in the last three years from getting a freedom of information act request but, of those assaults before yeah before we get into that also it's not just football the men's basketball team and there's number of players named one of them a current nba assistant coach immediately i think they either fired him or put him on a leave of absence from his current job when this came out, but these are players that continued to play. They didn't get suspended. They didn't miss games uh, for basketball or football. We don't want to get too much in the weeds in terms of what happened. That's sort of not what we do on this podcast. <laughs> but uh, but there does come the question of, so for instance, my son's elementary school, every day they play soccer out during recess, and it's always Michigan versus Michigan State. And at what point do I not want him being like, at what point mm. does a university become so stained with this and seem to be so complicit in allowing this to happen that I actually say to him, take off that Michigan State shirt, take off that Michigan State jersey, don't play and call yourself a Michigan State Spartan. Like, I'm not saying I should do that right now. I'm offering that question to you all. Sure. At what point... Does that happen? I mean, did that happen in Pennsylvania where the biggest university, Penn State, after the Jerry Sandusky 
child abuse scandal kind of broke and Joe Paterno was fired was was the name that sullied that because that was really the the university to root for if you're in the state of Pennsylvania. It's not like it. I don't think there's like a, there's not a big group of people where U Penn is the the legitimate rival. Where Michigan State and U of M, there's kind of a legitimate rival at some right, I level. I think Pitt is the rival. Oh of Penn yeah, you're State. right. You're right. So, but I've, yeah, go ahead. Uh, well, I think probably at large this is happening when, if and when that institution actually falls, because these institutions are simply doing everything that they possibly can to put that blame and that hate on the people. And not on the institution, right? Like they're trying to separate themselves. So whether they're successful or not, from our perspective, you know, that's up to us. But I think at large, for you know, just like your average person, well, they're, they're trying to be faithful. They're gonna like people are gonna be faithful to the institutions. I think yes, and and certainly if if I walked over to the elementary school and said. I don't want my son being on Michigan State. I think I'd probably <laughs> be the only dad doing that. Yeah. So, but I, I'm curious about what the line would actually be. And bringing up Penn State, Penn State's president, athletic director, a whole everyone. I mean that there was a lot of people who were removed from Penn State. So that's another question. So you're saying so, something very similar, Billy, but in a different vein, which is you're thinking about like Nasser himself or the the students who committed the the assault, but. What if Michigan State, well, the president is gone, the athletic director is gone. Mm -hmm. Is it a matter of just getting rid of the people in power and then Michigan State is allowed to be on my son's chest? And my son's just an example. Like, do you root for them just like you always did if you remove certain people that you think were complicit? Or is the institution itself ever sullied enough where you say, no, like, I'm just done with that. Yeah, it's hard not to imagine that and when we get to the March Madness tournament in Michigan State's plane, maybe they're not losing their local loyal fan support as much, but you imagine there's going to be a fair number of people who are just there to jeer the Michigan State head coach Tom Izzo to hold up signs and criticize the university for their handling of the sexual assaults within the athletic department, the whole gymnastics thing. Because my wife asked me, and I, I've not read probably enough about the Larry Nasser thing to truly know the answer to this question, but she said, well, we're not these girls because they were girls. The Larry Nasser, yeah, some like, of them starting as young six as years. six years yeah. old. Yeah, they were. They should like. Were they not telling this to other adults? Was it? Were they telling them to sports people that? And it was just sports people protecting sports. Okay, we're going to go into a dark place here for a second. But first of all, yes, and this is part of what Michigan State is in trouble for. And by by removing the president and the athletic director. It's not exactly cleaning house because trainers were spoken to, coaches were spoken to, and it just died there. And the coaches would say, no, it's got to be some sort of medical procedure. Now, in terms of telling parents, one of the most tragic cases was the, the first young woman who spoke in the victim statement. She told her parents, and her parents did not believe her. And this happened for six years. And once it came out that, yes, she was clearly telling the truth, Soon after that, her father committed suicide. Oh. And we don't know, right? I mean, these things are very complicated, but certainly it's not hard to imagine that the guilt of having your daughter go through this and you did not believe her perhaps played a part in this. So yeah, I mean, they were telling adults. The, but but the, you know, the authority figure of the coach, the authority figure of the trainer, right? This it, is youth sports being like, no, the coach is the authoritarian leader. And, and him being the USA Gymnastics trainer or doctor, head doctor, whatever it is. And he's here working with a six-year-old daughter in Michigan State. You know, there was kind of this, well, he's got this credibility or he's like a big time. He's the big time. We should be, you should be grateful that you have someone of his stature that's working with you and helping you as you begin your gymnastics career. Yeah, I, so so just the and again, I don't we don't need to get more into the horrifying details, but people were being told, and that's why it's difficult to say like, okay, so the president and the athletic director are gone, now everything's fine. But but I think if you're if you root for a college, and I don't really root for a college, if you root for a college, you know that there's a possibility this is happening right now. Like you're always a day away from just University of Michigan having the exact same kind of scandal. Never. <laughs> <laughs> and and certainly that, you know, I think it's safe to say the chances of that happening at like a university in those kind of environments is higher. But that's also likely like you're likely aligned with something where like bad things are happening via that something. I mean, it's uh, it's kind of getting back to what you said, Brent, about the 
taking away the president of the athletic director, you still have this culture of this is happening. All these people that have probably been involved in not respond, even maybe just innocently not taking it seriously or just not following up to report it to the next authority. Those people are still there. Those coaches are still there. Those trainers, those employees are still there. I mean, and how do you do you clean house or is it like, oh, this will never happen again? Well, what if there's just what if there's just so much rot in the system, not in the system of Michigan State, that the very idea of college athletics, it's basketball and football. These are the two money makers. There's so much money to be made. There's so much money to be protected that even if it's not happening at your university, you know that someone is going to protect those dollars. Like, is it an institution that's willing to sacrifice money and prestige if they can, well, we'll stop it on our own and then, but no, it's the system itself that's allowing it. So when you root just for college athletics and these huge, not just college athletics, but these huge money makers, these division one huge money makers, are you, are you a part of the system already, whether your institution is doing it or not, because you are fueling the, the quest for universities making this much money. Yeah, so you're talking about with the money, it's college, men's college football and college basketball, but were people were people covering for Larry Nasser, or was it just the no one really believed it? It wasn't enough people didn't hear, or at least that were willing to report it. Because gymnastics isn't a money maker. You're not making a, it's not in this in the same stratosphere that college football and basketball are. Well, I think gymnastics is a money maker when you're associated with USA Gymnastics and the U.S. Olympics. So I think then it does become a money maker. We do know that there, the 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 ranch that they would train at the Bella Coro. Coro- Bella Caroli. Caroli, yeah. Long-time long gymnast. Uh, this is where a lot of this abuse happened. So a lot of the gymnastic abuse was not at Michigan State because he was involved with USA Gymnastics. So so th- there's a separate... When you start getting into Nasser, you're, you're talking about two different things. Because you're bleeding Michigan State and USA Gymnastics. Exactly. And he is a criminal in both places, but what has made the news is USA Gymnastics. What's coming out right now is about... Michigan State, just in general, covering for sexual predators. So I, I think there's, I think uh, there's probably another shoe to drop or some more information to come out about the basketball and football programs of who knew, who knew what, when, who's covering up for yeah. these players. Like I think Billy might have said this earlier, maybe even before we started recording, that uh, all right, if there's 16 reported cases from the football team, how much of stuff is just unreported or that behavior is is there's this, this culture of that behavior is kind of okay or accepted or at least tolerated. And, you know, women are just, just not reported those cases. Yeah, more is happening than is reported. Right. I so, guarantee that, right? Yeah. This is just whatever. And that would be true of anywhere. If you saw that there was a football program with zero, you would ne- necessarily assume that it never happens there. So yeah. that there's 16, you're not treating it any differently than it's 16 or if it's 10. It's always the, the, the number of reports is never going to be equal to the number of occurrences but so let me ask you as a fan of robbie as a fan of university of michigan and you're not a die in the wool fan but at what point would you have to say about university of michigan so like let's just take since 2007 you said there were 16 cases how many what is your number for that's the number of cases where michigan state football gets the death penalty which means the program completely goes away what does the number have to be i think that number has to be Man, the number has to be a lot higher. I mean, Penn State, there was talk of Penn State getting the death penalty during Sadusky, you know, because I think there was 12 or 15 reported cases of boys who had said they were abused by him. I'm asking you, though. I, they put I mean, the power I mean, with you. For me, I mean, yeah, I would, I mean, you probably give, I would give Michigan State if that was U of M and it was like solely up to me. It's like, yeah, we're shutting down the program right now. I mean, if you're, but if you're in that position of power, you're also in this pra- pragmatic state of like, well, that's a huge moneymaker for our school. That has dramatic effects on our college well, right. the, to the, get rid of that money. The reason you are in a position of power to make the decision is because you have already protected the money your entire career. That's how you got there, is by protecting it. I mean, that's how I be- got to the point of being a library director. Exactly. I protect not only the books, I protect the money for the books. I'm just going to leave that one there, Robbie. <laughs> I just... <laughs> <laughs> but I, 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 I do think well hopefully the the words like witch hunt come out as well so and perhaps one way of not having a witch hunt is just going slow so if this has been going on since 2007 
I don't think it's a great crime to say nothing should happen for three or four months, right? There's no reason that it should, if anyone's going to lose their job at the top, it, it's like, what is three months of figuring out information and having a sober reaction or something like that and making sure that this isn't just some cynical attempt of self-protection where you finally realize we need to get rid of D'Antonio because, not because we think anything about him, but because we're sacrificing him to save the ship. So that's not, I mean, just, I mean, that's often what happens with these kind of things. Absolutely. Is it very likely that staff were aware of some of this stuff and maybe it never reached Antonio's desk? It's very possible, but he would be the, it happened on his watch. It happened. Yeah. The people you hired under you, they, they were not, they're yeah. unscrupulous people that would not tell you or bring you in or would do these things. So that's, it's still on you. So can can I get can I get back to you? You mentioned the freedom of information request. Yes. Can I get back to that a little yeah. bit? So apparently, correct me if I'm wrong, but if I understand correctly, in 2010, ESPN put in a freedom of information request to Michigan State because there were two or three players, Keith Appling, Adrian Payne, Travis Walton. I'm not sure if that's all the same year. They were accused of sexual assault or had been charged. Um, and so they put in this freedom of information request to Michigan State. And did Michigan State countersue? Or do they sue to prevent them from getting access to those documents? Three different times. Michigan State has tried to stop FOI, FOI requests three different times, all from ESPN trying to get information on football and basketball players. Because one of those times, the request came through to Michigan State, and then without even responding to the request, Michigan State immediately sued ESPN to stop them from having to having to give the information, at least hold it up for a while in court. Maybe hold it up a long enough time for them to shred documents, I don't know. But uh, thankfully, the courts ruled against that a public institution, like a public university like Michigan State, oh, what if it had been a private university? That, you know, maybe the answer is different, but they could not sue someone for making a freedom of information request. And I think what they did get then were heavily redacted forms. I mean, so Michigan State... Long and short of it, Michigan State is fighting as best they can through legal channels to stop release of information about their assets. So they're spending a lot of taxpayer dollars, yes. a lot of our money, to prevent people from finding out this information about their 19, 20-year-old athletes or their program. Right. There's a, there's a moment in... Uh, to, I know you were thinking about Grapes of Wrath earlier, Robbie. There's a moment in Grapes of Wrath, <laughs> and it's and it's a famous moment, and it's a famous moment in the book, and it's a famous moment in the John Ford movie as well. It's one of those few cases where both the book and the movie are highly regarded, where the character of Muley is trying to fight back, and he's not he's gonna not gonna let the person take away his farm, and so he goes to the the, the banker shows up, and he's like, I'm gonna fight you or something like that, and the banker's like, Don't. Don't blame me. I'm just I'm just the the guy who's driving out here to tell you. And he's like, "Fine, I'll go into town and tell the people at the office." And he says, "Well, don't go to the people in the office. They're just doing what they're told." Go, well, where where is it all coming from? And he's like, "I don't know, someplace in New York." Right? There's no way to actually trace this back. So when it comes to those very suspicious lawsuits against an FOI request, could you actually round up all of the people who were saying, yes, we are going to fight this? Or this is just part of the banality of evil where it's just, I was, and my boss just told me it was a Tuesday morning at 945 and they told me to file this paper and I filed this paper. Like, could you actually go back in time and not even go back in time? Could you just, just trace it back and get all the people who are doing this? Or do the people who are doing this even know what they're doing? Because this is the very idea of evil within a bureaucracy is that you don't you're not actually committing an evil. You're just you're just stamping a piece of paper. You're just filing a piece of paper. So this this sense of like evil just being sent down a bureaucratic chain is happening in a place like Grapes of Wrath. And you could think about it in a place like this in terms of these lawsuits, that there's probably not some evil MSU president stroking a cat saying, stop that FOI request. This but is how, actually- how great, What a great picture. Yes. <laughs> Especially if the cat is hairless. Especially as a Michigan fan. I, that's what I want to believe. <laughs> yes. Gigantic <laughs> ring on the pinky. We can, we can figure all this out. But that you couldn't actually, if you said we are going in and we are going to tear out all the people who are a part of this system, you literally couldn't do it because the system is the problem, the bureaucracy is the problem, the money is what feeds the rot, not a couple of bad seeds. I agree. I think this is a rare case that we would often we're critical of uh, ESPN. 
But here, thankfully, because it was such a large corporation putting in the FOA, FOAI request, FOIA request, because it's such a large organization, they could countersue or they could stand up to the legal fees to fight yeah. fight the suit. Whereas if the Afternooner had put in that Freedom of Information Act request, we're immediately rolling it over when they send us that uh, legal brief. So well, are we just going after a small state so, school so right here's, now? Let's here's, just go after a small state I mean, school. let me let me bring it down a little bit. Could is there any reason that we could not submit a Freedom of Information Act request to some public entity about some issue, Billy? I know somebody that probably wouldn't push back. Cayuga College. <laughs> is Cayuga College private though? Oh, I don't. They are they are private. So yeah, mm. I don't know if if private entities are immune from FOI because because private col, col, the majority of colleges take federal dollars in the terms of financial aid and work study. Yeah, FOI is for government stuff. So it's typically for government stuff or public. You know, it has to be a public organization at some level. But if you take public money, uh, I mean, I don't know the details of this question. If you're if you're an expert on Freedom of Information Act requests, call us at 517-798-6187. Well, so Billy brings up Cuca College, but maybe we go after the Wolfpack of North Carolina State That's right. and figure out what was really behind the decision-making process to try and sue a school in upstate New York, western New York, over the Wolfpack name. Like, there's something going on there. Do you think there's a YouTube u- tutorial that we can watch on how to file a Freedom of Informa- Information Act request? Or even better, if I go to my account on LegalZoom, not a sponsor this week, but LegalZoom, if you're listening, reach out to us. There's an opportunity here. Does LegalZoom have a, have just a $50, here, we'll file a Freedom of Information Act request for you? Well, Robbie, you should really be the guy figuring this out because... As part of your job, you are sort of the guru of our institution in terms of copyright and intellectual property. So I think you could do this on the clock, and <laughs> it, it's it's valid because this is something you should maybe know. Maybe it is something I should know. So if someone files an institution, can they, can someone f- serve our institution with an FOIA request? So you're going to get back to us next week about who we can go after with a freedom of information request. And we'll see how the week goes. I think Billy might have an answer already. It actually seems quite easy to do so. If the information you want is not publicly available, you can submit an FOIA request to the agency's FOIA office. The request simply must be in writing and reasonably describe the records you seek. Most federal agencies now accept FOIA requests electronically, including by web form, email, or fax. So I believe there are probably templates online and you just send it to the institution reasonably describing the information that you want. Wait, wait, wait. So do we send it to the institution or do we send it to a federal agency? This says, no, you just send it to the institution directly. I'm yeah, that, sure. like most, probably these larger schools have FOIA offices or officers. So I'm thinking, what federal agency would we have an interest in asking some FOIA requests of, and that would be none other than the USGS. I, do you think Lou, what's his last name? Lou Yost. Would Lou, Lou Yost, Yost. Would, he, would he look unkindly on that, on our application to name a peak, Crusot Peak in Idaho, if we send in that FOIA request first, or do we wait and send it in after they yeah, reject I see, it? See, so wait. sidebar here, I haven't written the application yet. It's coming. I thought that was happening over Christmas I, break. Like, things happen, man. Things happen. <laughs> Life. I flaked, bros. I flaked. Um, it's coming. What information do we want from? I'm just thinking of Lou what Yost? federal agency have we discussed before that we could submit a, an FOIA request to. But pretty much any public university, like you said, and actually much more interesting would be NC State. I think we so, could also, uh, if they deny Crusot Peak, we could then do an FOI request about why <laughs> they deny Crusot Peak. And they're like, we told you why. No, that's not enough. There's some sort of cloak and dagger stuff going on. So I, I have read about FYI requests, the way that um, or public institutions, whether federal agencies or public organizations will respond, is one, they can kind of obfuscate the request by delaying. I think, I don't know, maybe Billy, you have this here, but there is like a certain length of time that you have to respond by with the information or that you have to respond in writing and then that starts the clock and it's another six months or 90 days. But the other thing is that you just send them an obscene amount of information. I'm just so that the one file that you're interested is in there, but here, here's a room full of the equivalent of a room full of documents in a PDF file. Knock yourself out. I'm currently looking up different federal agencies that we could (laughs) submit a request to. 
One that stands out would be the National Aeronautics and Space Administration. And we, NASA? NASA, yeah. <laughs> and we could ask them for information regarding uh, the flat earther theory. Or just about aliens. Alien, yeah. If we just wrote an FOI about, hey, tell us about the aliens. <laughs> Some other ones that jumped out, the U.S. Postal Service. <laughs> they Ho- get back very quickly. But, Ho- but- Homeland Security. Some other ones uh, some that have I think have gone into court cases where the organization has sent they sent an obscene amount uh high price that to charge for copies. Really? Oh. Or they charge like these unnecessary fees to try to deter people from putting in uh FOIA FOAI rules. The EPA, Congress, Department of Energy, Department of State, Department of Transportation. So, so what if we just pick an obscure, you know, little known, relatively new congressman, congressperson, and just kind of start badgering their office for a request on some issue, really insignificant issue? But wait, what are we? What are we requesting exactly? It's just to see if someone responds to us. Okay, I'm still <laughs> honestly, if we could send one to Chris Melvin about Frosty Rucker, the Arizona Cardinals, <laughs> believe me, I would. I, I tried to take it down there a little bit because then Larry Nasser, that's. It's heavy. It's heavy. That's stuff. very heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, and we didn't really hit the tip of the iceberg with some of the testimony and the details of that. It is grisly. I mean, read read some of it at your own peril, I guess. But but even the I think there's more to drop with the uh, the football and basketball programs in the next few months. I think we'll hear more about that. So let's move on and let's have a real change of pace here. Let's talk about something that's the exact opposite of what we've been talking about, which is sports gambling. Gambling. Yay! Hey. So what's the latest update in gambling? You might like, gambling, it's been around since the dawn of time. Yes, but we've got updates on gambling. So I, you probably don't remember this, but back in 2014, NBA Commissioner Adam Silver, relatively new commissioner at the time, writes an op-ed in the New York Times saying, hey, what's, so, what's the big deal about gambling and sports in America? The, eh, we, we might not be that opposed to it. He, he was advocating for federal regulation on sports gambling. And he he was, wanted it to happen. This is the first time a... A commissioner of a major sport or a college sport in the United States has openly advocated uh, that, hey, we'd be cool with gambling. I, Greyhound racing, I think. The commissioner of Greyhound racing. I said major sport. I said Greyhound racing. I mean, are there schools that have started a college uh, Greyhound team to try to bring in more students? Hillsdale College. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but just this past week, there was a, a court case. And I don't know, who brought the court case? Do you know... Do you know uh, Chris Christie. Chris it, Christie. is in New Jersey, right? Yep. He's the governor of New Jersey. It is the state of New Jersey against something. And it's Chris Christie stating that the state's rights are being infringed upon by having a federal law against sports gambling. And so New Jersey has, has and again, I don't know, but it's Chris Christie that the the sort of punchline of a governor. I think he's I think still he's, the governor. I think he's governor. No, he's, did he just... just uh, they have not had an election to remove him, I don't think. I think this is his last year. I think this is his very last year, and he's going to go down as one of the most unliked governors in the history of the state of New Jersey. Just as a sidebar, he is currently going on like sports radio shows... Doing call-in shows and and yelling at people on the call-in shows while wait, he's wait, still wait, wait, governor. Wait, wait. He's calling into shows no, or he's, he's being interviewed. Oh, he's, he's hosting. He's a guest host. Uh, an acting governor is a no. guest host on a sports show. Chris Christie, if you're listening, call us five one seven seven nine eight six one eight seven. Phil Murphy has been the new governor of New Jersey for twelve days. Okay. 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 So maybe that's his new gig. That's for Chris Christie's new no, gig. No, if is look, sports radio. No, look up look up when Chris Christie was doing sports radio. He was doing it while he was active president. This was last year. Active act, governor. You heard what I said. I know. So so Chris Christie, national joke, is nevertheless going to perhaps change the landscape of American sports because and American gambling because this those two things go hand in hand. <laughs> Because this case has a real, it's going, it's in the Supreme Court, and it's going to be adjudicated in these next few months, and as as early as the start of next football season, so about nine, eight months away, you could have legal gambling within certain states. The states have to allow it, but we know that certain states are indeed going to allow it. So yeah, they estimated about they are expecting about twelve states will. Prove sports gambling. So it's interesting. The NBA is the one that's been most outspoken on this. They've already kind of put it out there that they're willing. To, they want to work with the states to make sure they get a cut of the money. And I think they're saying, "Oh, we need to have like an integrity fee." 
so we can help make sure that there's no fixing of our games or throwing of our games, which is really funny because I think in 2007 or the late, what did we call that decade? The, the aughts? The aughts. Oh, I hate it. I hate calling it the aughts. There needs to be a better name. But in the late aughts, they had their own referee scandal where a referee was fixing games or taking money to try to try to throw games or throw games certain directions. Side update. Back to our good friend Chris Christie. I have an exchange with him while he was trying out for talk radio, if you guys would like to hear that. Yes, yes. So just to be clear, this is while he is governor of New Jersey. Correct. This was last year, and the hope was that he would, down the road, actually get a full-time gig, which I saw another headline saying that that didn't quite work out. But this is... Kind of like he hoped to get a gig in Trump's cabinet. (laughs) <laughs> that didn't work out either. So everything this guy, the Supreme Court case might be all he has. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Billy. So uh, Mike from Montclair calls in, and this is Mike's quote. Governor, next time you want to sit on a beach that is closed to the entire world except you, you put your fat backside in a car and go to one that's open to all your constituents. Christie's response. You know, Mike, I love getting calls from communists in Montclair. <laughs> Mike's response, you're a bully governor, and I don't like bullies. That, I mean, that, there's your public statesman. How long before he's on Monday Night Football? No, he's a clown. He's never going to I mean, that's the thing. Yeah. He, he gets used and then just dropped. Nobody actually likes him. He's, he's almost pathetic in a way because he's the guy who's like trying to nestle up. There's a famous uh, scene of him jumping up and down with Jerry Jones. Oh yeah! When I've the seen. Dallas Cowboys yeah. won a game, he 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 keeps trying to nestle nestle up to someone, and it never works. It just doesn't work. And and people went to jail for this guy because he has this that, that bridge fiasco. The bridge right? fiasco. Yeah, he shut down a bridge as a political maneuver against his opponents. People are making him upset. So anyway. I don't know where we left off. Gambling. Well, we left off with the NBA is the most open to gambling. Is trying to charge an integrity fee to 1%. all these states, one percent. And uh, I think I think the estimate of like the I think the estimate of the four major sports gambling currently in the U.S. So this would be like uh, where it's legal, Las Vegas, uh, and maybe some offshore sites. They estimate it's a two billion dollar industry now. So one percent of two billion. Is, no, 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 no. Am I, wait, two two hundred billion. That's what it is currently. It's a two hundred billion dollar industry. The NBA would get two billion a year. Oh my god! And if it's legal, all of a sudden, twelve states, you can only imagine that's going to spike. And to clarify, an integrity fee. What they mean by that? So they would get one percent, and they would pose that as an integrity fee. They're what they're saying is, hey, this is our product that you all are betting on. Uh, so this is, you know, our sort of cut of the the pie of this new pie that's being created off of our product to make sure players weren't throwing games, refs weren't doing. Yeah. I, I don't know what are they doing now. I don't know. I don't know. No, I think I think the integrity fee part of it is like I don't think it has any. I don't think the NBA that I don't think that has anything to do with refs and them throwing games or anything. I think the one percent integrity fee is hey, this is our product. You need to give us one percent. Yeah, yeah, and I we're agree. Calling that an integrity. Yeah, fee. they're calling it integrity fee to say that we're going to ensure the integrity is f- of the game is fair. But really, it's just it's oh. our product. We don't want you making yeah. money off of it without yeah. giving us a cut. And all it, yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, that's great for them. Like that's. Let's let's pretend we're in the mafia right now. This is okay, Brent. Let's pretend. <laughs> this has got to be frightening, right? Because if it's legalized, or maybe it's not. No, I, mean, I think you're. I think. You know, totally I, I know, speculating I I, of what a mafia might think of. Maybe they see an opportunity here. But oh, so the mafia, if the mafia is involved with gambling now and gambling goes up in in product, then they stand to make more money yeah, unless it just, it's going to siphon away from them. I mean, is it just rising tide raises all boats? I mean, because if only 12 states are ready to go with legal gambling in their states, does that just increase that all the other people are envious of those states? So if you're in one of the 38 other states, you're... The, the mafia or whoever's behind illegal gambling. Well, the people who are going to make the most money are, are are people who are already established to get involved. So like Vegas and the sportsbook companies are ready to move into whatever these states are to set something up. And if the mafia is involved in those places, then they're going to make a ton of money. Well, really, for the mafia to make money, they're going to need to most likely find some corrupt officials within the NBA, within those positions of power. And that, that just seems extremely unlikely. <laughs> 
As we said, it's already happened. Tim Donaghy? Tim Donaghy? I thought it was Donaghy. Donaghy. It looks yeah. like Donaghy, but I think it's pronounced Donaghy. So what if, okay, so I don't, sh- let's say I am a bookie who hangs out at the Holiday Inn in Jackson, Michigan. Again, let's say. And I go by the name Ramora. Whatever happened to you serving papers? It's it's, it's, it's going to be a summer job. It's going to be a summer there, job. There, okay. There's, there's a queue. I, I first got to do the Crusot Peak thing. I think there's something else I'm supposed to do. Oh yeah, we're supposed to apply to to buy the Carolina Panthers. Yes. Oh yeah, and then, might, might be too late on that. On already. sort of a land grant, a land a contract. Land, contract. contract. <laughs> yeah. So if I am hanging out at my my Holiday Inn as a bookie, people are showing up, betting their 200 bucks or whatever. This has got to freak me out, right? This might be the end yeah. of my career. Is anyone thinking about the small time bookie? Oh, yeah, you know, no. I have a friend of a friend. Here we go. Who uh, actually goes to a small sports bar on the east side of Jackson and will make bets with a bookie. Wait, really? Yeah, friend of a friend. The one friend had been there at the bar with him before when he when he said his his he his friend met the bookie or paid either his debt or put a bet in. Okay. So, how much money do you make on this a week, Robbie? It's not me. It's not me. <laughs> so, can we get this guy to come on the podcast and talk? The Wait, bookie? the bookie? Yes, I want the bookie. I, I assume his name is Sal <laughs> to come <laughs> to come on the podcast and talk about what this might mean to his career. I'd also like to know just minor like is, I I don't know what is simply a fabrication of the media when it comes to bookies and what is not. Right. What are bookies are actually really gonna, like? Are they really going to break my legs? Exactly. I mean, you've got to be able to get that money somehow. But is it really just people? I mean, is it that many people shivering and trying to give you watches and stuff like that? Or is it just, well, like people can afford what they're doing? Or are you the kind of bookie who says, I don't want to take this bet from you because I don't want to get involved in hurting people. And I know you can't cover this. So... It sounds like there's a screenplay here. Sal, the honest bookie. <laughs> if you're an honest bookie out there, tweet at us. At the Afternooner. Call us. 517-798-6187. I don't know what that was. I liked it. Uh, another thought on that 1% integrity fee. Let's say whoever's making all these decisions says, hey, NBA, we don't want to pay you that 1% integrity fee because we think we can keep the league filled with integrity ourselves. At that point, the NBA will then move to block this yeah, legislation. They'll, they'll, uh, they'll instead of an advocating for this legislation or this, uh, they'll start trying to, you know, speak out against it and rail against it. Can I take it away from basketball though to baseball? Sure. Baseball has a fraught history with gambling. Yes. <laughs> Shoeless Joe Jackson. A World Series was thrown. Whether Shoeless Joe actually did it or not, it remains up for debate. But Pete Rose is banned from the Baseball Hall of Fame because he bet on baseball because of his involvement in gambling mm. and and his his he's like I never bet against my own t- I always bet on our team he's always bet on us to win that was all his I don't know if that's true or not but that's what he'd claim well he started by saying he never bet on the reds yeah which wasn't true and then true. we found out that it wasn't true but then so yeah is he is he is he not can we believe Pete Rose I don't know why we couldn't <laughs> But but yeah, all of a sudden, if baseball is embracing gambling and is getting their one percent integrity fee from all the states that are collecting gambling monies, does uh, do they have to take maybe a, a different stance on Pete Rose or gambling throughout their history? So and their Hall of Fame. Let's say this all goes through. The NBA gets their one percent integrity fee. What is the NBA doing differently after getting that to ensure integrity-filled games? Nothing. They're not doing anything. They're literally I mean, doing nothing. Because right now, right now, I'm sure they are have protocols in place yeah. for trying to make sure players aren't throwing games, refs aren't crooked. That stuff's not happening. But yeah, they're not doing anything differently than they're doing now. Okay, that's just, what I just thought as well. Cut. But how far does this go? Does uh, what is it? Every sport you can wager on in that in the U.S. So are, are we talking the all four major sports? MLS are are minor leagues if they're on like a site or is a state casino if you can bet on it is uh are they get all getting their one percent lansing lugnuts perhaps see a spike in attendance because people <laughs> are betting the house on it 
I don't know, Robbie. I don't know. I'd like to think that spike in attendance is because they finally booked us to sing the national anthem next season. I did get an email from the Lansing Lugnuts. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. Not about that. Not about anthems. Oh, it was just like a oh. random. But I think uh, what I'm saying is I think it's about time to email her. Yeah, I think and, actually I think it is. I think so it is. We'll, we'll make sure we will do. I'll either one do of that. The I'll do that, or I'll do do something with the Freedom of Information Act. One of the two. I'm not going to do both. I'll promise to one. I'm honestly not sure which I want more. Probably the <laughs> Anthem one, because something might actually come of it. And if they reject us, I'll file the Freedom of Information Act request against the Lancey Duck Nuts. Wouldn't it be... I mean, maybe I'm just I'm just thinking through this. Isn't it more likely that games are affected if gambling is illegal than if gambling is legal? So that the NBA is more ripe for being affected by someone shaving points or something like that right now when you have perhaps, let's just say the mafia again, but let's say one particular mafia wants a win on a certain game. Nobody's really watching right now. But once it goes to casinos and things like that, casinos want people betting on both sides. That's why you give points, right? You give points so the, so the Patriots are are favored in this week's Super Bowl. And so, I don't, do you know what the point um, no, I have no idea, honestly. All right, let's say it's six points or something like that. They're giving six points so that people will bet on the Eagles and the Patriots. They're actually wanting it to line up. So what that means is you've got a ton of people who are now invested versus when it's illegal gambling, there's theoretically not as many people invested and there's not as much investigation should some game go really, really wonky. So once it's legal and some some strange thing happens, people are wanting that. Casinos are very interested in what happened. But when it's illegal, isn't it more likely that maybe just one particular mobster or mob man or yeah, I mean, because you're bringing, shark tank, whatever I should be saying here. I mean, you're bringing in regulation by by the state by the government, and so it's there's it's less likely that there's something shady going on because there's more people watching. There's I think that's less likely to be corrupt. So does college does college sports affected at all this? Surely not. Like the states are not passing laws, but all of a sudden the gambling, the gambling outfits and the state is just seeing we're gonna we get there's this is how big the college gambling industry is illegally in is Vegas can you gamble in college sports in Vegas? I, I, I don't know. I think so. Yeah. I mean there's a line. Yeah. There's a line. So if it's legal in Vegas, why wouldn't if I'm That's if I'm New point. Jersey if I'm New Jersey I'm saying you better believe I want to bet on Rutgers and does this <laughs> does this if it becomes not just a Vegas thing is this what ends amateurism in big time college sports because all of a sudden you're like hey everybody's profiting off these games the leagues are getting you know the NCAA or the colleges are getting more money getting their one percent integrity would fee. the NCAA have an integrity fee. The student why, why athletes are still getting their scholarships, guys. I don't know why we're like. They're getting their due. They're being taken care of. We're we're talking about the cross country runners getting their scholarships, right? The full rides. Hey, so let me just throw something out there. What if this is how some casino decided all the casinos band together and decide we're not paying any integrity fee, and here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna have a a VR world where these two teams go up against each other, and you can bet on this VR thing. And it just happens to always line up with whatever happened in the NBA <laughs> game. And so you're not actually, and you're just telling the NBA, like, yeah, they weren't betting on you. They were betting on these esports. Oh, yeah. It just or, happened to line up. Or can't. what if you just go to esports? Can you bet on the esports right now? Uh, Legal, I mean, legally. No, gambling is illegal. Yeah, I don't think But in can. Vegas, in Vegas, where it is legal, G- you can, can you bet on anything on in Vegas, I think. So, I mean, do they just go to, like, hey, you can gamble on Billy and Brent playing Madden? Here's here's we're live streaming them on Twitch. Yeah, I don't think there's much. Bets. I mean, yeah, theoretically, I don't think there's much demand for that. You'd uh, be surprised. I think we can't publish this episode of the podcast because of your VR copycat betting idea. We need to <laughs> shut this down and actually get the wheels started on that. <laughs> we're in too deep. Uh, the spread is New England favored to win by four and a half points, and the over under is forty eight. That so mean? that's how many points you're expecting to be scored by both teams in the game. Gotcha. Uh, New England Patriots come in with a money line of negative 180, whereas that, the Eagles come in at plus 160. So that means you would have to, to make money on the Patriots, you would have to bet 
$180 and in order to, get to 100. win 100 mm. On the eagle side, if you bet 100 you would win 160 Do you guys want to uh, talk about any prop bets from the Super Bowl? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're let, we can't bet on it yet. Not that we would, and we really haven't talked about the moral dimension about what this might do. Yeah, because I mean, casinos already market against themselves with all of the ads and the public service announcements they have to do for gambling and not gamblers anonymous and gambling. Hey, if you f- suffer from gambling addiction, you know, so. If all of a sudden it's legal in X number of states, that's only going to be amplified. And then if you can bet online, if you're within a state that it's legal and you're allowed to bet online on those games, forget about it. So is this going to be a potential feature? Like, Let's say it's legal in New Jersey and I'm at a, well, I was going to say the New Jersey Nets, but they play in Brooklyn now. But let's imagine they play in New Jersey. I'm in a New Jersey Nets game. Are they going to have like, can I bet right there in my seat at that game that I'm watching in real time? So hey, you th- Brent's got 20 points in the third quarter. Bet here if you think he's going to get 30. Or bet who you think is going to score next. You know, it's... All they, the, all those, are they going to have little screens and, like, devices right there at the every seat? Well, they, this is like the Michigan State case that we were talking about earlier. They will continue to do everything they can to make money. There is no moral component in what they're doing. So if, there, if, it's, if it's a path toward money... It's like, if it's feasible, if it's something we can market and something we could do, are we expecting them to say, no, it's wrong? I mean, every time a casino opens, there's always this argument for jobs. And, <laughs> and it's as absurd as the stadiums because we know how much money of people's is going into that casino and not coming back out. Whereas if you took a fraction of that for a millage or something like that, well, people would perhaps righteously freak out, but they'd freak out. But if they're going to give it themselves to the casino, they're happy to do it. And the casino doesn't have clocks. And the casino does what it needs to do in order to get people to bet as much as possible. We know that they make the, the slot machines come really close to giving a jackpot so that it trips you up. of Like, I almost got it. I almost got it. So they're going to do anything they can. So this is probably not going to be great for the decline of the public sphere in the United States. Having said that, I got a good feeling about the Eagles, Robbie. <laughs> let's uh, let's wait and talk if that line moves up to minus five, Brent. So, Billy, why don't you close us out with maybe two, uh, two three prop bets that you found there? Will Nipplegate be said during the broadcast? No. No. I, yeah, no. T- put all your money on that. Yeah. The no is negative 900. Oh. Oh, my gosh. That means you have to put... Forward nine hundred dollars to win a hundred dollars. Yeah, just stay away from that entirely. Those are bad. Okay. The answer is no, but you're not winning enough. Will Justin Timberlake be wearing a hat when he begins his halftime show performance? <laughs> is is he actually doing the halftime show performance? He is. That's why his first question was oh. what it was. That's an that's a that's amazing. What is the what, what are yeah, the, what's the odds? The yes is plus three fifty. Okay, so that means. You bet a hundred in order to get three fifty. If he uh, if he comes out wearing the hat. Oh, so that that means that's the long shot. That's an no. incredible. No, the no is negative six hundred. Yeah, yeah. That yes. So the yes is the long shot. Oh, okay. Gotcha. People don't think he's coming out in a hat. Well, I would have thought the exact. So opposite. here's here's a, if you're Justin Timberlake, like I think the same thing when they say how who's singing the national anthem. Do you know? No. Well, they, they they say will so and so's national anthem go over this many seconds? Right. And I think, man, if I'm singing the national anthem, am I putting a lot of money down on the over? And I'm holding out that note at the very end to make sure I've got a stopwatch. That is a. Why would, would that, you not do that? And why would that be illegal? If you're Justin Timberlake, if you're Justin Timberlake, why are you not walking out with a hat in your hand and just? Toying with people that you know have money on this. Oh, you got to have it cocked on the side of your head so people aren't sure. Like, does he have it on? <laughs> does he not have it come, on? Come out like this with like holding it holding above it his over. head. What is it? Ca- so there's two great stories to have here. Number one is: is it illegal for the person singing at halftime or the anthem to rig their anthem in order? Can they bet on themselves? And Why not? not? They should be doing it. I heard Justin Timberlake's sort of hard up for cash. He should be making this bet. <laughs> Number two, what this is our screenplay. Yeah. This is our afternoon screenplay about a national anthem singer at a Super Bowl deciding whether he's going to go this way or not. And he's probably got some sick mom that that needs help and some sort of medicine or something like that. This thing writes itself. <laughs> I think I think uh the sports sites or Vegas, they always have the option if there's too much action 
on one side of these bets. So if there's a huge, let's say Justin Timberlake drops $50 million that, that he's going to come out with a hat and it's, and you don't know who it's coming from, but all of a sudden they're like, uh, we're shutting that bed down before it happens. Well, that he would be smarter about that because he wouldn't he have would it come spread in. It out. Exactly. He spread it out. Exactly. A lot of small bets. Especially if there was a lot of bets about Justin Timberlake. So those are questions about his wardrobe, what mm. color his shoes will be. Mm. Then he could spread those bets out. Justin Timberlake, call us. 517-798-6187. There's still time to make money on this whole halftime shindig you're doing. I mean, what happens if he calls us, we help him rig you know, some of these bets for a 1% integrity fee? 1% integrity fee. fee, yeah. But then he gets caught. Hey, as long as we get our 1% integrity fee, we're scot-free. Yeah, I think if we just say for entertainment purposes only, whenever we talk <laughs> with him, then it's okay. I think we're fine. Okay, way. perfect. And and we might be recording after the Super Bowl from Antigua. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Afternooner Sports Podcast. You can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Tweet at us, at the Afternooner. Until next time. So long. See ya. Thank you.